Good morning, good evening, and good day to you all. Thank you for tuning in for the Vinyl Appreciation Hour. This week, I'd like to welcome you all to a very special guest, friend, amazing musician, and DJ. I'm talking about Jamie LaRusso's This Kind, or Prequel, as many know him by. Prequel has been a key member of the Melbourne music scene for the last 15 years, spinning hip-hop, soul, jazz, and house music at some of our best venues. He's one of Rhythm Section's closest family members with two EPs through them and regularly appearing at their events. His third official release was a well-received EP on Swedish-based label Local Talk. He also makes regular contributions to Giles Peterson's Worldwide FM and makes guest appearances on internationally renowned radio stations including PBS, Triple R and Triple J here in Australia. He's also had remix duties with Alta Tulala, Sofa Talk and Sampa the Great. To say the least, Prequel is the real deal. I have never seen someone more passionate and immersed in a culture than this man, and his jazz influence releases certainly reflect this. I've also known Jamie personally since I was about five years old, and to watch his dedication turn into a successful career in music is truly heartwarming. Jamie, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for being here. What an intro, man. Was that good? Fuck, I hope I can live <laughs> up to all that. <laughs> yeah, we have known each other. You were five, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So I used to work at this restaurant, which is my father's restaurant. Called Cafe Latte Cafe on Melbourne Road. And Pat used to come in with his mum and I used to make him hot chocolates. And he was a little pisher with his oversized blazer coming in. And, and then now he's made me a cup of tea and the tables have turned. <laughs> What, I, um, what a funny world we live in. You know, I had a memory just come back to me as I was preparing for this show that yeah. I don't think I'd remembered for a long time. But do you remember, it would have been, I mean, it might have been seven or eight. Um, and I was always like really impressed with the music because you chose the music that was playing at, at the cafe uh, for most so, of the time. Some of the time, yeah, it depends. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. And, and, um, and, I, and I think I said to you like, oh, I really like this music, man. And you actually made me a little mixtape. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Oh no! Do you have the mixtape? You know, still? I was—I I don't, unfortunately. Do you remember what was on it? Like, it was, you know, you I like think I think what I really correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but my memory serves me saying that you used to play, I guess, like you know, jazzy kind of music that had a beat to it at, at the restaurant. At, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that's what I think because I hadn't really ever, and I guess like a little bit of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a bit of hip hop stuff in there. Absolutely. Yeah, and I and that's what. You, that's what you gave me I was like I really Because they used to say to you Like oh what's this tune man what's this oh, tune? I don't remember that at all And I've got a really good memory Well anyway I used to play it in the car a lot Jamie so I wonder what was on it That was a special memory Do you me. know Do you know what, Can you remember one of the songs Or any Nothing no, If you heard it You'd go That was on the CD Oh uh, yeah Like it was It was a long long time ago It was But That'd come back to you straight away If I Yeah <laughs> if, you heard, if you heard it out In like a Whatever restaurant Or a thing or whatever, You'd go That song was on the CD <laughs> Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, so that was special. Thank that's you. That's so funny. Um, so we just spoke a little bit about your jazzy kind of music with, with beats. What? Tell me about your musical influences um, throughout your career. Um, well, like a lot of people, it was it was my parent. It was my dad predominantly um, who studied uh, improvisational jazz piano at the Conservatorium in Verona in Italy and also the VCA here in Melbourne. Really? Wow. Yeah, so he's like an amazing piano player. Wow. Uh, he's done some stuff on... Some earlier releases I did. He does stuff on my brother's stuff. My youngest brother's a rapper called Soliloquy. He does some stuff with him. Yep. So we used to listen to a lot of, there used to be a lot of jazz playing in the house. And then at the same time, when I started to get into hip hop, that was also through him as well. That was through two albums. One was the Far Side album, Bizarre Right to the Far Side, which he told me he heard on Triple J one day and liked it because it's all jazz samples. So he bought the album. 
And then the second one was the Fuji's album, The Score. And he bought that because it had a cover of Killing Me Softly that my mum really liked. And he didn't buy the single, he just bought the album. Yeah. So my dad used to have this really big drawer, like full of CDs, and we used to just like chuck whatever on. So I grew up listening to a lot of jazz. And I wasn't... It's not as if I wasn't into it when I was a kid, but like I probably couldn't see that it was going to be an influence. So that was like the main thing, that. And then, you know, I did like music stuff at school, like primary school, like I played the recorder or whatever, or like did trumpet for like four weeks or whatever. But when you're doing trumpet next to Ed Fisher, who back in the day was like the best trumpet player ever. Did you go to school with Ed Fisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Ed and I have known each other for coming up. 19 years now Wow And he, he lived around the corner from me Okay That's amazing So you know I So was you two sort of like tr- Getting into well, DJing he, no, together well, well I actually got into DJing before him Because he went off and did composition at Whopper oh, In Western wow. Australia That's amazing Came back and Not my story to tell But through various things um, No longer performed on the trumpet And then I sort of got him, not I got him into DJing, but I kind of helped doing a little bit of DJing stuff. I remember the first time Ed came over to my house and I was like practicing scratching <laughs> on my Monty Python record. He's like, hey man, let me have a go at that. Let me have a go at that. It's like when we were like 15 or 16. Like a Monty Python sam- like with samples on it? No, like a record and it's just all like, uh, you know, sketches. and. Lyrics. Oh, really? So I used to cut all the little words I used to say and whatever just to practice. Anyway, so Ed goes up on my right, put your left hand here, and like that's the little spot you need to hit, and this is the crossfader, and that's like the on part, and that's the off part. And he's like, okay, cool. He goes, and the first thing he does, he goes, and the needle goes, and just re- scratches the whole record. And it's just like, cool. And then now he's a really good DJ, but that's the first memory I have of him DJing. It's hilarious. Yeah, right. And how old were you guys then? Um, I got into DJing when I was like, I want to say 15. I started a wow. I started a rap group with my friend Sam Keel. He was the rapper and I was a DJ and we like bought Newmark turntables together and we saved up all our money and we went down a used to be a music store in Chapel Street called Manny's. Yep. Got down there and we got like the big box and they were like the shittiest Newmark turntables <laughs> ever like all you young kids learning on techniques now I learned <laughs> on some shit ass turntables. <laughs> anyway, so we got that and then I really was wanting to make beats so i saved up for like this little yamaha sampler thing and then eventually i got a computer and got like uh what was it called cool edit pro and just started like sampling stuff and doing drums so i was like 14 15 yeah that's really young yeah but i mean everyone starts young not me (laughs) tell the people how old you are patrick i'm 23 yeah thank you very (laughs) much yeah exactly but then that's that's a that's a very long time yeah i mean i've been djing for yeah, 15, 16 years now. Yeah, I mean, I saw, um, I was actually uh, scrolling through your Twitter. Or was it, inst- no, maybe it was Instagram. <laughs> My Twitter can be a weird place sometimes. <laughs> and I saw, I, I did see a photo of you probably about 16 years old playing on some, some decks Yeah, at home. so that yeah. was, that was at, we were practicing at Sam Kill's house. Yeah, right. So it's like, and I'm looking up at the lyrics and I got like my big afro and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> man. Cutting up all like Stevie Wonder records and stuff and like... So what were the yeah, first few crazy. records that you were buying then when, when you bought your turntables? So when I first bought my turntables with my friend Sam, I went to a record store on Glenferry Road. I can't remember the name of it, but it's really overpriced. And some of the first records I bought were like, there was a couple of soul funk and soul comps. I remember buying a Ronnie Jordan album called Into the Light or something like that. It's the one where it's like a light globe and it's really dark. 
and I got a lot of my dad's old records, which were great to play and listen to, but weren't really good for mixing. Like, you know, at, for me, at least at that point in time when I was just learning to DJ, it's hard to mix like fucking Miles Davis 2-2 into like some fucking soul thing. But I remember when I was practicing in my, and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Because no one I knew personally really was a DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I'm playing records without slip mats. I don't know how to hook a needle up properly. They're on my floor instead of a table. I don't know how to balance a tone arm. Like, complete rookie vibes. I've got no idea. I remember my dad coming over and being like, are you sure you're not meant to have, like, a thing under the turntable? I'm like, no, no, this is how to do it, dad. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Like, the bottom of the record's getting fucking scratched to shit. Anyway, I remember practicing my room at night, trying to teach myself how to mix, and I did my first mix and it was like... Like you got the you got the beats right? Fucking revelatory thing. It was like... Uh, it, was, it was akin to my first orgasm. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I did one. I had one. This is crazy. <laughs> and I rushed into my parents' room after the mix, not the orgasm. I rushed into my parents' room and they're like, what is it? I'm like, I think I did my first mix. I think I put these two records together and they were in time. And they're like, oh, okay, good, good work. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that really, really vividly. Just on sitting on my floor, my legs crossed, scratching the bottom of my of the, of the of the vinyl because I didn't have slip mats on. And but that's that's how I learned. And you know, and I learned. I bought an MPC online. I saved up all my money. I bought an MPC two thousand XL, which I still have. Yeah. I don't use, but I still got it because it's special. Because it's special, and you know, I wasn't going to read the manual how to mate because the manual and that's like the fucking torah like i'm not reading that whole thing <laughs> so i used to just youtube was very very new then so i used to watch yeah i was gonna say beat making videos and the main one i watched was there's like this really not really old but there's like this old video that pete rock did yeah right i think it was for a kai i can't remember who it was for and it had like a red background and he's taking you through drums and even, even little things like i was like oh you can put individual drum hits on there because d there was no manual there's no one yeah. there's no music school like this is how to hold a trumpet yeah 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 whereas now we've got it all like we can now it's yeah. all there yeah i mean when i first bought turntables i, I yeah i jumped on youtube i was like oh how do i beat and much? and and why wouldn't you yeah and that's a great way to learn it's a great way to start it shouldn't be the only resource it is but back then it was like you know i remember i used to buy um I used to buy DJ Cuba instructional scratch DVDs from Obese Records off Greville <laughs> Street. I used to come home. I used to borrow my mum's laptop and set it up on my desk, put the DVD in the laptop, <laughs> watch the lessons, pause it, and practice my little chirp scratch things. That's you know, great. I used to I used to strengthen my my hand by using one of those like you know like clench things. It's like two bars and the coil. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, when I used to watch TV after school or whatever, when I wasn't watching. DJ Cubert scratch tutorials. I'd have that thing to strengthen my hands, and then I watched this film Scratch by Doug Prey. Man, Schnitzel's going so, crazy over there. I've got my dog just in the studio. Here. Yeah, it's not an actual Schnitzel. <laughs> it's the name of the dog. He's going crazy. He probably can't stand these fucking stories. <laughs> like, ah. So I watched this film. I remember Ed came over because he used to live around the corner from me, and I watched a documentary that was on SBS with him and my dad called Scratch by this guy called Doug Prey, who's done a couple of really good films since. And it's kind of like the history of like scratching and mm. hip hop and had everyone, man, I watched a whole documentary with my fucking jaw on the ground. It yeah. was like interviews with DJ Shadow and Premiere and Zed Trip and all the executioners. And I was like, 
Cubert, Mixmaster Mike, fucking this dude called Not Human, like just all these people. It was fucking insane. I was like, oh my God. And when we finished the documentary, I was like, that was amazing. And I turned to Ed and he's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Like, <laughs> but I'm like, all right. It wasn't a trumpet documentary, sorry. <laughs> but those are like my, my, you know, young years getting into music. And like, I remember being year eight and on the way to camp. And I was sitting next to a friend of mine, Andrew Hay, and he's like, he's like, oh man, listen to this. And I was like, okay, cool, what's this? And it was Dr. Dre, 2001 album. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. And at the same time, I was getting into Jurassic 5 and Ugly Duckling and all that kind of stuff. So it was like... And they, these are these world. are all these are all hip hop artists. You're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah, all hip hop. Which yeah. I, I only I know like uh, you know Cubert and and Jurassic Five and a few of those, but I don't know yeah. many of that. So hip hop was like uh, in terms of you learned to mix hip hop. Oh yeah, I was strictly hip hop. Yeah. But but then being like a CD buying record liner note nerd kind of guy, which a lot of people are. You know, you read all like, oh, that that sampled a Curtis Mayfield song. Okay, who's fucking Curtis Mayfield? So then you go, oh, Curtis Mayfield did X, Y, Z and ABC. Oh, okay, cool. And then you keep reading the lighter notes. You're like, oh, David Axelrod. Oh, okay. I wonder what he's about. And you buy his records. And then, yeah. oh, I wonder what his stuff have been sampled before. Maybe I could sample for one of my production. And it kind of it expands from there. Yeah, right. But it's a lot of... Man, it was a lot of nights reading articles and interviews with people and reading liner notes of album credits and... It was a lot of a lot of research, man. Not not super readily available. I mean, this is pre Google. Yeah, this is like you. Ain't I mean, gonna, it's so you're, different. You're not gonna find this shit on Alta Vista <laughs> and Ask Jeeves. Like this is pre Google, man. Know what Alta Vista exactly. Is. <laughs> you don't even know what the fuck I sort that of is. Like laugh to pretend. I exactly. Knew. <laughs> okay, so before Google, there were all these other search engines that were like in competition with each other. Yeah, right. I remember Ask Jeeves. Ask that was Jeeves a classic. and Alta Vista. Yeah, right. I mean, this is back 56k modems. <laughs> like we're going way back, but it's it's such a different time because you know I speak to a lot of people my age that are starting to get into DJing and. Even just like the kind of music we we choose to mix first is like it's 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 really amazing that you went to like funk and soul first, like you had that sort of musical taste very early on. Well, in your I career. think that was because of the sample stuff. Because I was like, I really like this hip hop song. Watch the sample, and then sort of so I went back like that. But your generation, like you and my youngest brother, like at least in Melbourne, but I could probably say on a world scale, you your your appreciation of music is a lot larger like mm. i didn't come into the whole house music fold till relatively recently in my career i'm doing air quotation marks <laughs> but like you know i go you know i go out with my brother and it's like he does a rap show and then we go to revolver yeah right or you're posting you know some fucking rare diddle da and then you're playing like a techno song like everyone's like into all that kind of stuff now back in the day i was a little bit more um i guess close-minded yeah would be the word so that leads me i guess to the next question of um where did when did house become a thing for you house music um i became friends with these two guys called pete and darnan and they were into that stuff and i was always like eh, yeah like it's, it's just too fast uh, and my only kind of exposure to quote-unquote house music at the time was like going to one love at prince and it was great and it was fine, but it was like fairly commercial. So I thought that's all that. It's so funny. I thought that that's what house music was, like just that. Yeah. And then these guys are like, nah, man, you should listen to Moody, man. I'm like, this is just fucking jazz samples at yeah. 120 BPM. Like, what the fuck is this? 
Holy shit, I remember the first time I heard Moody Man, they play that shit to me, I was like, oh my god, this is like, this is incredible, this is like Mad Lib on speed. <laughs> just jazz samples, but instead of on a hip-hop beat, just like fast as shit, it was fucking incredible. And Ed Fisher got me into a lot of music, and um, Pete and Darnan, and uh, Ed's old housemate Richard Walker got me into a lot of different music, and it all just, you know, it's... To receive that much and to be open to that world later in life is, is a lot harder to digest. Because when you're younger, you're a little bit more open, a little bit more receptive can you, to things. Can you say that again, sorry? When you get into new stuff a little bit later in life, yeah. it's sort of harder to absorb it. It's harder to get into it because you're kind of a little bit set in your ways. Yeah, when okay. You're, when you're younger, you're a bit more of a, a, bit more of a sponge. You know? yeah. Like they say, people learn the most when they're between like zero and five years old or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're getting into all kinds of different music when you're really young, by the time you're, let's say, 18, 19, 20, mm. you know what's going on. Yeah. It's like my youngest brother, Sasha, knows like every rap lyric ever, but he also knows the lyrics to, you know, Frank Zappa apostrophe album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was listening to that shit when he was younger. So getting into like house music and all that kind of stuff later was a bit more of a challenge, but I know you never you never stop learning, you never stop like, figuring shit out in life. So yeah, do you I do I do wish I got into it earlier. Though. Yeah, because I was going to ask. Um, I seeing your boiler room was uh, when that was so fun. <laughs> I've been looking forward to that shit for so long. Wait, was that twenty sixteen? That was. Uh, yeah, that was 2016. Yeah. That was at the end of 2016. I mean, that's probably one of the most passionate boiler rooms I think I've ever seen. Just like seeing you up there. I'm not trying to be cool. You're just enjoying yourself, enjoying your music you're playing. I've got to, look, different strokes for different folks. And I get that everyone performs differently. And that's fine. But me personally, like, you know, not if I'm at a bar gig or whatever. But if yeah. I'm on stage and it's like me time, me turn. First of all, I'm a passionate person anyway. I mean, yeah. I'm getting paid to play other people's music. That's already a pretty fucking cool thing. And second of all, why would I expect anyone in the audience who has come essentially to dance amongst other things, why the fuck would I expect them to get into what I'm doing if I don't look like I'm into what I'm doing? I completely agree. What the hell? Yeah. If I'm up there being like, you know, twisting a few knobs and then... <laughs> What, what, they're going to want to go fucking crazy? It's like, no way. It's like, and that, you know, not to go in this direction, but that energy is reciprocal as Yeah, well. 100%. You see someone fucking busting their balls. But then I've also been chastised for it. And well, you know, I, I have too. I won't get into it. but And, and it fucking hit me hard when someone, cha- when someone said to me, what's with your energy, man? I was like... It's me. What do you mean, what's with... It's, it's funny. Like, a lot of, a lot of people... To my face or That's my phone or, That's alright <laughs> I still have a home phone <laughs> <laughs> Who's got a home phone still anyway? We won't get into that <laughs> Sorry, no, but yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people like Either behind my back That I found out about later Or to my face or It's the same thing Like oh why are you so into it And this and that and da, da, da. But then when Someone like fucking Jada G does it It's cool And she's got all this energy Yeah Or when such and such a DJ does it Because they like, think oh, she's there energy. It's like It's a bit of a double standard Yeah Like look I'm not saying I'm the greatest mixer alive, but if you can't fucking mix at all and you're just getting up there and throwing cakes in people's faces, that's one thing. Yeah. But being really passionate about something and getting really into it, I don't see as a negative. And I also think that, in my opinion, I would class myself as a performer as well. And it may be different or it may be a bit more limited in mm. what other people would think a performer does. But, I mean, you know, you're up there on a stage... 
And most people are looking doing, at you. Doing art, quote-unquote, yeah. most people are probably looking at you, whether it's on Boiler Room, on YouTube, or at the club. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference between that and getting up on stage and reading a monologue or doing a scene from a play like yeah and when then what's the difference between being a dj and then and then like you know actually playing the guitar or something who, where a performer is going to really like get into it when they're playing the guitar Do you know what i mean yeah. i mean i'm sure you know like you know if you're singing some like sweet love song like yeah you're not gonna fucking headbang up but there's a, there's an art there's an art to performing slow music there's yeah. an art to performing it with a guitar or a flute or a fucking uh, what does Yo-Yo Ma play? Cello. Or, yeah. You know, like, but I'm DJing. I'm predominantly playing faster, quote unquote, music. Like, to dance to. To dance to. Yeah. At least I was in the boiler room. Yeah. Like, it's fucking, it's fucking dance, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I was, <laughs> what I brought, <laughs> I brought up the boiler room because um, I, I remember watching that and seeing when you did the scratch of um, I Get Deep. Um, and being like, holy not lot, shit. Not a lot of people know that I fucked that up, but I saved Cause, it cause at the Because it was minute. 33.45 RPM, right? Man, you but, it's, it uh, but you it sounds it fucking cool how you did it, dude. Because I was so nervous. You picked so it up nervous. perfectly on the beat. Because I heard <laughs> it. I was like, I can do a good deep, I can do. I was like, thank God. It actually worked, though. <laughs> Fuck. I was like, the so, one thing I fucked up so or the that I picked up that I fucked up. For the listeners, is, is scratching uh, a sound and we don't, as, as an audience, we don't know what it's going to be. And then you and then you sort of like drop in, I get deep. Yeah. Um, and it's playing at 45. So as you said, it's, it's like, I get deep. And then it, and and then then it quickly hit the 33. I get deep, I get deep, I get deep. I was like, oh, but it, 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 it Like it worked. It really it more than worked. I thought it was on purpose. I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. It was the biggest, like when I did it, I was like, <laughs> I could have gone so much worse. Like I get deep, I get deep, I get deeper. Like that would have been shit. But that sort of scratching, obviously, you learned when you were like fifteen playing hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I put sometimes a little bit of that in my set. Sometimes I get a little bit too excited and I have to be stopped. I remember when I played my first rhythm section with Bradley and Peckham. I was like scratching a bit too much, and he kind of like put, <laughs> put his hand on mine. He's like, "Let's just." I got excited. I was playing rhythm section. He's like, let's just <laughs> tone it down slightly. But then I remember I did a gig in Brisbane recently for the rhythm section tour and I was like beat juggling house music, not over the top, like 45 minute DMC routines, but yeah. just a little quick deleting, deleting thing routine that I do. But I like incorporating that because I DJ, even when I play like house and disco, I DJ that in the style of hip hop because that's yeah. what I know. And Which, even when I make house music, I do it in the style of hip hop. Yeah, which not gives to it be like a purist guy. No, but no, that's no. What, but that's I mean, the I think, style I do. I think I can totally notice that now. You mention it, like it, your music has a. Um, oh, what am I going to say now? Your music has like a. It, it it has that like that feel to it. That like energy of of hip hop. That yeah. groove. That like. Well, th- a lot that of hip, this, that a lot yeah. of hip hop lacks. A lot of that. A lot of that. It, it, it's all the. It's all. It all for me. It all comes from hip hop. Sorry, a lot of, what did I say? A lot of house lacks. A lot of house, lot of house music. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's different kinds of house music. Like, you know, there's a place in the market for really polished, commercial, overly produced house music. There is a place in the market for that. And, yeah. that's, and this is something that I realized later in life is that even though I don't like certain kinds of music or certain songs or whatever, like, it still has a place. Like, not everyone's into fucking... Mm. Moody Man and whatever, Detroit Swindle and whatever. Some people are into fucking David Guetta. Mm. That's okay. I'm not into it. That's fine. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's like religion. It's like, if you want to be religious, cool, be religious. If you want to be atheist, 
be an atheist. But don't try and fucking tell me either which way. What's better, what's, what's worse. better, what's worse. Yeah. Like, does it work for you? Great. Are you hurting anyone else doing it? No. Well, yeah, then it's a good open do your mind. Thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. does it hurt me personally that someone's into like a more commercial artist like David Guetta, for example? No, it doesn't. Are they happy listening to it? Great. That's fine. Just, it, it, you know, everything has its place. Yeah, for sure. I think. I could be, I could be very, very wrong. Um, I, oh, we mentioned your brother soliloquy before, actually. Yeah. I love uh, how much support you have for him and how much love and... Well, we, we you know, I was there guiding him when he started and, you know, helping him put together his first album and making beats for him. And I was booking agent for a while and his manager for a while and then took a step back after a little time and he had some time off to finish school and he's got an album. So he's been, he's been doing this for ages, like not just... Because he's re- just he's released his album like on the weekend, like his first uh, album, right? The official release date is... November there's oh, something but it was a party tenths. right or it was like a little secret little yeah, yeah, yeah. Show thing there yeah which is hip hop is sick by the way everyone should get a get a good so listen he to it. started even earlier he started at like 13 or so and do you think you playing hip hop records definitely shaped his oh, sound yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I remember I used to give him like little projects of like Go listen to Jizz's so album Liquid Swords. <laughs> like, no fucking ju-. I'm like just go listen to Jizz's album Liquid Swords. That's and he'd come back and be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'd go back, go study this person or even his album that came out, like I executive produced it. So like I just had a hand in the general construction of it and things yeah. like that. But we had a session at my house where we were getting ready. He'd done all the demos. He was getting re- ready to record um, all the, you know, all the lyrics, all the proper takes. And he came over and he printed out all his lyrics. And we, I literally went through every line one by one, like, some of the lines I didn't mean because he's really fucking smart and mm. I didn't know what the fuck they meant. But some of them I'm like, nah, you can do better than that. Or nah, that's too this, that's too corny, that's too this, that's too that. So we, we have that kind of relationship. That's, and that's, you can and you can have that hopefully with a brother. Like making this album with him, like we, recording it, fuck, I feel sorry for the engineer, man. We were <laughs> fucking yelling at each other and swearing really? at each other. Oh, man. <laughs> but it was fine because better art came out of it. Yeah. Yeah, but that I mean, I I that's special. That is really something special. I've got two half brothers, and whilst I love them, I don't have that same connection to to an older. Well, I mean, I don't know how much into music they are. Or, no, yeah, I mean, we've know. we've got different interests, but I mean, it's something. Yeah, it's. But also, you, did you guys grow up in the same house? No, exactly. I mean, so so there's all that sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, it's something that I that that's I guess I've grown up with with brothers like uh, I mean I, I'm sure you bullied him too a bit over the years. Yeah, of course. But um, that's it. Honestly, I really it's really something. I'm trying to come up with the words here, but man, he's it's, taken it's special, he's, man. It's really it is, lovely. It's it really is, thank you. But he's taking that shit. He's I mean he's already finished writing another album without me. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 fucking learnt graphic design he's doing video clips with people he's doing his album posters he's doing if that motherfucker learns how to make beats i swear <laughs> to god it's gonna be so much trouble i keep telling him i'm like dude just learn how to make beats and you're just so he so he's he's like the he like rhymes and he and he writes all the lyrics but he he didn't do the beats for the music um he this album he co-produced so he was uh, okay. working mainly with this amazingly talented producer called julian Steele. yeah right and so while sasha wasn't playing stuff yeah, he yeah, was yeah. help shaping that of oh, course you know yeah, the chord yeah, yeah. should do this so maybe we we'll take the drums out with that and yeah that was kind of like me my my involvement in the record because it was like i wasn't writing the lyrics but he'd send me drafts and i'd be like that line shit 
that doesn't rhyme with that. Or he'd call me up and be like, oh, I've got this line about X, Y, Z, and I don't know how to say this. And I'd be like, oh, okay, maybe you should look at this lyric, or maybe you should go and read this thing on Shakespeare, or that reminds me of a Slum Village song. You could structure it like that. I mean, yeah. if, if you're a real hip-hop head and you hear this record, you're going to see all the the lyric... Um, not, they're not rip-offs, they're uh, homages to yeah. certain lines and songs, which certain is structures. Big, and which is a big part of hip-hop. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's, they're so, it's all like interconnected. But it's a f- in hip-hop, it's a fine line between ripping off yeah. someone and doing a homage. Like, yeah. it's very like, you know what I mean? Hip-hop's like, oh, my fuck, I sampled that before. Like, you can't sample that now. And like, it gets a little... It's a little murky there sometimes. And when he used to, he ran uh, Lost Weekend at Boney, right? He was one of the promoters of what? Lost Weekend, yeah. It was yeah. with um, uh, Crown Ruler and so it was Jamie Bennett, uh, Miles Mack and Laurie. Um, obviously with the people of Boney as well and he got involved in that and just became like this sort of promoter guy overnight as well just to add but another, that was another a, skill d- <laughs> of his that he just learns and has and like that was like the golden age now of fuck that kid he's too talented <laughs> he's too talented every time he's like yeah I just told myself I do graphic design I'm like alright let's see it I'm like fuck that's pretty good <laughs> god damn it <laughs> but I remember, I remember it's, it's really lovely talking to both of you because I remember one night I came to that um, and he was um, I, I hadn't seen him for like quite a few years and I didn't even know he was running it, but we yeah, were talking sure. and he was like, oh, look, here's a, here's a video of Jamie like last week, like with his shirt off at Boney, like at 4am in the morning. <laughs> like That doesn't sound like me. Playing some Detroit house. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that, no, it doesn't sound like me at all. Shirt off Boney, Detroit house. No. Yeah. <laughs> Must have been someone else. <laughs> but yeah, it's really lovely. Like just Thanks, the, the love you, you have for each other. I, good. I can really see it. And same when I speak to your, your, your dad about all that and just the, it, it, it's, it's really special. Thanks, man. Special doesn't, doesn't describe it enough. I think having those close bonds with family members. That's good. It helps with everything. Um, 2014 saw your first release under rhythm section called Polite Strangers. Yeah, see, even that is a hip hop homage. Mm. The name Polite Strangers is a lyric from a De La Soul song called Trying People. Really? So when I listen, because I mainly listen to hip hop, like I listen to jazz and shit like that, but during the day, I don't really want to sit around and listen to house music and dance in my living room. Like I want to listen to hip hop. Yeah. So even that, so it's like I'll write down bits of lyrics and things and ideas for titles and stuff so the hip-hop influence is already seeping through that you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah. um i was well i was going to ask what was the you know lead up to to releasing that and and how that that wasn't your first release though it wasn't i I released three projects before that on Bandcamp. yeah they were just own personal releases yep yep. the one the first one was called the joan rivers ep i saw that online the second one was called um Feel, feel you, feel for you, something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. It's had the yellow cover. I can't remember what it's called. And the third one was uh, a track called Good Girl, which had like three different versions of it. One was yeah. like this stoner mix. One was like a fastery, bassy thing. And the other one, I don't know what fuck the other one was. It was like a dub probably. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, and then, oh, cheers, mate. There's some water. In a jug? Fuck, it must be in <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> Um, what what were though? Because you can't. It, it, you took those releases. I down, took right? those down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that during whilst you're at school or? No, no, no. That no. was after that school. That was afterwards. I mean, I'd been making beats for ages. I also had quite a few different projects with different girls that um, I came into contact with, friends or friends of friends, and none of those ever got off the ground. I was making all these sort of like neo solely kind of beats, 
and having girls sing over them and mm. stuff and just nothing ever came to fruition. So I was like, fuck, I just need to put something out myself. Yeah. So I think that one was 2000 and I want to say 11 or 12 something and then Polite Strangers. And there w- was that a similar sound to, <coughs> excuse me, to your rhythm, to, to the sort of jazz influence? No, no, no. It was nah, different? Nah. Different. What kind of sound was that? Um, There was one that was like, sort of almost like juke juke slash footworky kind of thing it was like sort of a bit more uk bass influence post dubstepy kind of stuff yeah um one of the one of the songs was like just this fucking jazz song essentially with my dad playing piano and my friend lucas taranto on bass um, who's done some stuff for me since lucas is a fucking legend he's a really good dude and a really great bass player but then polite strangers came along um I'd met Brad in London with Ed and McNewman. And then um, Brad was like doing an NTS show on on his Facebook. He's like, oh, I'm doing like an Australian music special. Like if anyone wants to send me music and you're from Australia, like send his email address. Wow. And I sent him some stuff. He's like, oh, this is really good. I actually sent him an EP that Silent J and I did that never got released. That's a whole nother <laughs> story. Um and he's like, oh, have you got any more stuff? I'm like, yeah. And I sent him some more stuff. He's like, dude, this is really good. He's like, I'm starting a record label. Do you want to put this stuff out? I'm so this like, is before the rhythm section. This is before the rhythm section yeah. label had started. This yeah, is yeah, when yeah. he just had the NTS show on the night. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to put this shit out on rhythm section. That's sick. So, you know, back and forth for quite a while. And I was like the third release, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. That shit still blows me away, man. That shit was fucking insane. I remember I was at my friend Donnan and Pete's place one Saturday night. We're about to go out to this hip-hop club. And we were like, whatever, fucking around beforehand, drinking, smoking cigs. And Giles Peterson premiered one of my songs on his blog. No. I was like, this is the craziest shit for two reasons. One, that like that would even happen. Yeah. And two, because the last interaction I had with Giles Peterson was I was his fucking driver when he came down to Melbourne. Oh, I really? picked him up from the airport and like DJed before him and like <laughs> smoked ciggies under the table at the ESPY. And now he's premiering my music. And then now I've got to like know him like a little bit and I see him when I go to South of France every year. And yeah. That's just crazy. Like, I got polite strangers tattooed on my leg. Have you? Yeah. Well, you'll have to show me when you take your active wear off, Jamie. Very trendy. <laughs> Very trend. Very Melbourne. Active wear and, and, a, and a, 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 a jar. Jam, a jam, a jar. jam jar of water. Fucking Melbourne. Um, uh, what was I going to ask? What, do you think um, Rhythm Section has... Uh, has that shaped your sound in any way? Like, that being involved in that label? Yeah, it shaped me as a person. It shaped fucking my whole career. Like, Brad, I'm really lucky to count as one of my friends now. Like, yeah. I go and stay at his house when I'm in London. We travel together. We go to festivals together. We talk all the time. Where, you know, I'm, I went and met... on. We went on a road trip, Ed, Brad, and another friend of, of Brad's called Hannah. We went on a road trip in, in um, north of... Um, uh, north of England, north of London this year. And I went and met Brad's mom and Brad's dad. Oh, lovely. You know, and he knows my whole family. Yeah. It's like... Well, know, Rhythm Section is such a beautiful family. It, it is seems. a family. And I was telling this to someone else the other day. It's a family. Like, I remember when I released, like, I had people on the label or affiliated with the label I've never met before reach out to me. Really? I'd be like, yo, what's up, man? I saw your Rhythm Section record. You know, I'm, my name's Rough Dog. I'm from Manchester. Yeah. Like, he's a fucking legend. Like, even, like, Contours. Or like Hidden Spheres or like, um, you know, Henry Wu or um, the Chaos and the CBD boys. Yeah. Who I hadn't met. We went on tour together. And now they're like, I'm friends with them and we catch up when we're in London when they're here. Like Brad, 
Brad is good at many things, and one of the things Brad is good at doing at is creating a community because mm. it really fucking is. A community yeah, hundred percent. Because I know people on labels, and I'm like, oh man, you're on the same labels. Da da da. Like, is he a cool guy or is she a cool person? Like, I don't know. I never fucking met them before. Yeah. I'm like, really? I'm like, I know most of the people from the rhythm section label. Yeah, like, and you play their music often, right? Yeah. I mean, I rep that label hard. Yeah. And, and not because I'm on it. Because you love it. Because I love it. Yeah. Because the music that comes out of that label, I fucking love it. And yeah. look, to be fair, not absolutely everything I love, but a lot of it. I mean, I even met like the new kids that are doing like all the stuff on uh, International Black, like... Mm-hmm. um. Uh, LT and uh, Mallard and man, those dudes are like 19 and they're like fucking jazz freaks. Mallard plays double bass and he plays like Nubai Garcia and like he's a, f- he, that, those, those younger kids over there in London, man, they're so fucking talented. Yeah. It's insane. You think people are talented over here, man. Over there, it's just like, Jesus. It's like, how old are you? It's like 11. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like what? And what was what was Bradley's initial interest in Australian music? Do you know where that came from? Because um, it's like because when he came over here, when he was working with Boiler Room, uh, okay, and they'd shot. They were shooting this. I don't think this was the first time, but they were shooting an Australian documentary, a Boiler Room documentary that never came out for various politically for political reasons. But I don't know. It's just it's, it's his second home, man. He's always out here. He loves it. He just I listened to his NTS show the other day. He was playing like ten, eleven Australian songs. Yeah. With Irfan Rainey. Like he just loves it here, man. He's just got an affinity for the Australian people and the Australian way of life and Australian music. And I mean if you look at the label, there's so many Australians on it. Yeah. There's me. Yep. There was an acetate that was released that did a really limited run. I had an Andy Fox, Andy Fox remix. Andras, it goes by now, sorry. Yep. Um, there's 3070 are on it. Mm-hmm. There's Retiree. There's Silent J and JSXL. Like, there's a lot of people on the left. There's even Chaos Boy. I mean, they're from New Zealand, but, you know, other side of the pond. He just loves it. Loves Australia, loves the music, loves the people. Yeah, yeah. I, and I remember... Um uh, you guys at uh, Strawberry Fields, like 2017, I think it was, or 16? 16. 2016, 16, yeah. yeah. Fuck, that was funny when it got rained out. Yeah, and then you, what was the song you played straight after it got rained out? Brad played it. It was this rough dug edit, Sun After the Rain. Yeah. I was, he's like, I'm, like, I'm like, dude, what are you going to play? He's like, I've got it, I've got the one. I've got it. He was scrolling mad through, through his USB because we were about to come on. He's like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Sun after the rain. Talking about family, like you guys, I was like watching the, it was three of you right up there playing together. It was four of us. Four. It was me, Brad, and the Chaos and CBD boys, Louis okay. and Beans. I actually didn't play any music because I'd sort of played before, but yeah. I was still up there with my top off jumping around yeah. having the best time. But that's, I mean, that was just like a, a such an example of how, closely together you guys are yeah yeah that was beautiful man it's great i love bradley zero he changed i was in tel aviv with him uh i think a year or two ago and we were out with ed as well and ed went off to do whatever and and brad and i came back to the place we were staying at and i was fucking wasted and i like let him have it of just like how much he changed my life oh that's lovely and he was just sitting there kind of like you know reciprocal and appreciating it but also half of it just in shock yeah because i was like listen man like (laughs) for like two hours and he was like oh okay cool thanks like but that's that's yeah that's the homie i love bradley yeah that's really nice and ed i love ed too don't worry (laughs) um tel aviv you've you got a bit of a following over there rhythm section and yeah you just played there right yeah i did fuck so good yeah and i know that there's a whole movement of boycotting 
uh, Israel and all that kind of stuff about. And I, I don't really want to get into that too much. I don't even... People are allowed to do what, the, what they'd like to do, and, and that's okay. And I may not necessarily agree with it, but everyone should be entitled to, to have their thoughts on everything. But speaking from my experience and getting to know the people in Tel Aviv and getting to know the people um, also we play in um, in Haifa, um, you know, getting to know, like, the cool fucking Palestinian crews over there and stuff, like, not only historically and religiously, but it, it's it's a magical place, man. The food is amazing. The people are lovely. I've made some really good friends that are there now. Um, the hospitality is great. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm Jewish, so I can relate to certain, you know, neurotic ways that, <laughs> that things operate there. But it's great, man. I had some really good gigs there this year and everyone's great. And I'm not going to lie that the women, they're also very, very beautiful. <laughs> they are. They really are. They're lovely. That's nice to hear. God bless them all. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the men too. Shit, everyone's good looking <laughs> over there. Um, you also mentioned before, I was going to ask you something about um, what you were talking about. Uh, uh, your your initial releases were like uh, sort of dubstep kind of sounds. You said. Yeah, like post-dubstep-y. It was like, you know, when that James Blakey kind of thing was going on and I was getting into like you know, faulty DL and, yeah. and the like Hessel audio and like, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah. you know, Ramadan man and like that kind of thing. Like I was, I was listening to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And then I was going to ask, Jamie cause I, XX, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Pre, pre, fucking oath, man. yeah, yeah. yeah pre, I, yeah. pre all that. But like, you know, that's the, the, yeah, that like post dub influence sound. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, a uh, huge fan, but I just, I was looking on your Spotify yeah. Um, there's Heavyweight that just got released last month. Is that a little promo track of yours, or is that? There's a what? There's, heavyweight. There's a there's a track called Heavyweight. Is that on your Spotify? I didn't make it. Is it by me? It's by Prequel. Oh, I think there's like a probably another artist. But it's called under Prequel. your name, man. Yeah, because if you have the same <laughs> name, you have to prove which one is which. Like, oh, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's like another guy called Prequel. I think it's like some heavy metal band or something. No, it's like it's like well, the reason why I thought it might have been you is because it is. It's like dub kind of sound. Really? Yeah. Is it, it's not pre. I know there's Prequel tapes. That's literally just. It's like if you. I click on your name. Really? <laughs> fuck that. I'm going to find that shit Are we going to delete this from the interview? Fuck, anyway? <laughs> no, fuck no. We're not deleting that shit. I'm fucking find him or her, whoever that is, stealing my name shit. That's There's plenty. Of, see, this is the other thing I don't get in 2018. There's so many names out there. Like, yeah. Don't pick a name that's been done. Like, yeah, put yeah, some yeah. effort into picking. Put some effort into picking your fucking artist name, please. Agreed. Oh, I'm going to call myself like, you know. A tribe called Quest. No, you're not. That's that is that's a done name. You don't get to oh just call myself Bradley Zero. No, you don't get to call yourself Bradley Zero. Someone's already called Bradley Zero. If you're not creative enough to come up with a your own name, you, you just shut the fuck up then. You just I doubt you'll be creative when coming up with music. Yeah. Um, that sounds really <laughs> harsh, but it sounds really harsh, but it's like, come on man, put a little effort in. Fuck. Um uh, I was going to also ask um, We've spoken a lot about jazz and hip hop Yeah um, And then I asked you about Sort of when House came about But um, Detroit House is like a Quite a big Big yeah. love of yours Yeah um, Does that ever come Like how does that involve when you How does that uh, come into When you're making music yourself And I just I just heard it And it, it just made sense to me I was like Oh This is the kind of house music I didn't know existed And that, and, and that I was into Do you ever discover something You're like Oh, this, t oh, fucking, why haven't I been into this? This yeah. is so what I'm, like, I almost, 
it's almost like I had that in my brain of that's the kind of house music that I'd like. I'm like, oh, no, oh it exists. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. no shit. There's this really jazz-influenced kind of version of house music. I'm like, oh, that's fucking great. So I listen to a lot of it. I appreciate a lot of it. follow a lot of it. Play a lot of it. I play a lot of it. Um, obviously, for what little write-ups I've had about my work, I've been compared to having a Detroit influence, which, if I'm going to be completely frank with you, like, obviously, it's not that common. Like, yeah. Detroit House, you know, it's... A lot of people are influenced by it. Yeah. And, and, and that's a good thing. But I just love it, man. I'll fucking drive around and listen to Theo Parrish just, like, on shuffle. Like, his the whole catalogue of his I've got, pretty much. And I'll just click shuffle on my Theo Parrish playlist and just... I mean, some of that shit I can just listen to. Like, some of that shit, it's like, it's like, fuck, I, I love this so much. And at the same time, like, fuck, I wish I made this. <laughs> like, that, there's that one Theo Parrish song called Over Your Head. It's so simple. It goes for like eight and a half minutes or 12 minutes or some shit. It's so good. It's so fucking good. It's so simple. I once tried to make a song like that. With the same elements, same progression, same introduction of things, it just it just it didn't it didn't resonate. There's something special about it. There's yeah. something really special about his productions and, and and Moody Man, like all you know, Rick Wilhite and all the you know three chairs guys and all that stuff. There's something really special and magical about it. And even now, like those dudes are still putting out fucking great rec. Man, that last Moody Man twelve mm. inch, man, fuck, like he's still got it. Yeah, like his DJing can be a little <laughs> off sometimes. <laughs> I don't think he cares. But that he doesn't give, he and he doesn't does, give does a he, shit. He actually DJs with like little Apple earphones, he right? Sure or is does. he even? I mean, uh, sometimes I question whether or not they're even connected to the music. No, no, they're connected. They are. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. they're connected. <laughs> but um, no, nah, man, that Detroit shit's like it's just it's inspiring and like still inspiring. It's yeah. Like, fuck. Like, We're talking about you, you say like Moody Man's a hu- you're a huge fan of his and yeah. um he I saw him play in Detroit and he played like oh yeah you went up. didn't you yeah 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 oh, fuck but but he played hip hop the whole night yeah and Carl Craig was meant to play after him <laughs> and uh, they like he literally was just like Moody Man for like six hours or some shit because Carl Craig's like oh, I can't be fucking yeah <laughs> and it was to it's it was still, after Carl Craig still got that money though didn't he <laughs> I don't know yeah, probably <laughs> but it, like you know everyone was there for this massive techno festival um, and he plays uh, he's obviously like a massive fan of hip hop and he yeah. plays hip hop the whole night the That's crowd's loving so it so funny yeah it was really sick and I, I and it was a lot of R&B stuff that I personally wouldn't choose to listen to but the way in that environment like him speaking over it and just like the way he the way it was presented the way exactly the way yeah. it was presented it sort of I guess on that night I understood it and I and I enjoyed it it's like I get it like you can't always play house music like yeah I, I you know I've been dropping like Drake and Kanye West songs in the middle of my sets and people are caught off guard with it but I'm like fuck it this fucking tune I'm gonna play it you know there's for me there's like a school of thought of DJing I was like on the left is like I'm just going to play whatever's popular, whatever people want. Yep. And on the right is, I'm going to literally do whatever the fuck I want to do. And if you don't like it, tough shit. Yeah. In the middle is obviously a compromise between the two. And I think that you can be successful in all those three stages. But it comes with a different sort of attitude. It come, it, 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 you know, there are some people... I mean, Moody Man gets up, he plays whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, definitely. And, some and he people, doesn't give and, a shit about and some the people, And some people don't like that. Yeah. Some people are like, I'm here to hear 
Moody Man play House C Jazzy, whatever, mm. the, the techno records from Detroit. Mm. Some people like you are like, cool, I'll listen to hip hop for six hours. Yeah. Just depends how you present it. So for me, when I DJ, sometimes if I believe that it calls for it or I'm in a certain mood, like I'll play. Man, I played for, I've been waiting to do this for so long. I finally played uh, Simply Red Fairground at Revolver last weekend. What's, I don't know this track. And I love the thought of coming <laughs> home to you. Mate, I fucking love that song. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to play it. Yeah. And it how, doesn't get a reaction. The crowd go? Yeah, it was not bad. I was having a good time. Yeah. You know, sometimes the crowds can be a little less into it than I am, but that's that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just depends how you present it. Because also, you know, like, you know, you can't just keep playing the same, like, yeah. thing sometimes. Sometimes sure. I like to, like, throw a little curveball in there. It w- when You've got to know when it's the right time to do it, though. Because you, you can throw something in and be like, and I've done it before when I'm like, I've thrown something in and be like, oh, no, that was a complete wrong move to make. Yeah. I remember I was playing at Boney downstairs once from, like, uh five till like eight in the morning i had the whole crowd going so long as you know small people 50 60 people everyone was dancing my brother was there soliloquy yeah. and i'm like watch this and i dropped this song and i totally <laughs> fucking killed the vibe and slowed everything down what did you drop i can't remember but he looked at me he's like you shouldn't have done that i'm like fuck i shouldn't have done that i really had it go it was like seven in the morning you know? it's like people are there and i'm like you know really trying to bring it home for the last hour and i played this one song and everyone's like uh, and I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. So, you know, but that's the thing. It's like you need to make those mistakes because... You learn. Yeah, because learning how to DJ in your bedroom is great and it's fucking awesome and that's how most people yeah. start. But you playing in front of an audience, you, you, you can't emulate that in your bedroom. Yeah, for sure, you for can't. sure. It's a, it's, it's a very similar process and way of learning as stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Because you can be really funny writing stand-up comedy yourself and you show a couple of your friends and you write some funny jokes. You go do that in front of an audience and no one laughs. You, you That's 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 how you fucking learn when you bomb. Yeah, true. Yeah, you, you sort of like learn from the, from yeah, the horrible but you mistakes. Can o- but you can only do that yeah. in public. That's a, it's a really... It, I mean, that's I, I've often, I often try to remind myself it's like mistakes are fucking good. They are. In hindsight. If you learn from them. When they're happening, you're like, oh, I just fucking cooked it. <laughs> But if you learn from them, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well, what, what, and, you know, you've got to be a smart enough person to go, oh, okay, that's, that didn't work because of that reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, I am trying to think about how to formulate this question, but, um, you know, there's, there's the prequel that, that uh, plays Detroit House, and then there's the prequel that has got some really amazing, like, kind of jazzy house releases, mm. Um, and then there's the prequel that um, plays radio, um, you know, like on with with Giles Peterson, where it's like jazz and sort of hip hop. Um, what's the question though, Patrick? How do I put them all together? Yeah, like yeah, I get yeah, 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 exactly. How do you? Because you know, I assume you want to play your releases sometimes when you yeah, when sometimes, you're out. Sometimes I do, yeah. If it, if it calls for it, like I'm not one of those people that's like only plays my shit, and mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people that never plays my shit. Like I'll drop my shit in when it when it's suitable, but you know, yeah. But um, I look, suppose you see DJing as like almost like a separate. I mean, it's very separate to your musical releases, or well. That's the thing. For a long time, everyone knew me just as a as a, as a hip hop DJ because mm-hmm. that's what I was. Yeah, you know, fucking soul and hip hop. And then I come out with this fucking these three P's on Bandcamp. They're like not really hip hop. People are like, ah, oh, okay. Even now, like I I played a music festival and then one of the people was like, oh, I didn't know you play. You know, not hip hop. I'm like, it takes a while to kind of, and that's part of my my that was my own 
fault for not expanding, like I said earlier, my musical vision. But yeah. You know, it, it's taken a while to sort of rejig and being like, oh, this is, you know, I do this as well. I do that now as well. So, you know, it's it's a difficult thing. But also, like, you know, there's 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 different sides. Like, I don't, if I'm doing, uh, if I'm covering, like, Ed Fisher's show on PBS, you know, which is that over here, it's going to be slightly different to when I cover... CC Disco Smoke and Mirror show on Fridays at eight to ten because Ed's is on a Friday afternoon. CC's on a Friday night. Mm. CC's music is a little bit more over here, and Ed's is a little bit more over there. So, when you're doing someone else's radio show, you need to. When you're doing someone else's radio show, it's a very similar vibe to doing a remix for another artist. Mm. You want to maintain and recapture and hold on to the essence of what that song's about but at the same time you want to put your own spin on it because that's the whole point so when i do ed fisher's show i don't do it as ed fisher but i don't do it completely as me i do it as me doing ed fisher's show yeah, it's okay. my version my interpretation of ed fisher's show i'm not going to get on there and play jazz because it doesn't play jazz yeah but if i cover mike Guerry's show then i might play some jazz so it's kind of like you know, and it's and that's also a very similar mentality. And I was having this discussion with Sophie McAllister the other day about warm up DJs. You got to know your place. You got to know who's played before you, who's playing after you. What are they playing? Are you the head? You're not the headliner, so don't play as the headliner. You're playing as a warm up. Yeah. What time are you playing? Where is the crowd coming from? Is it a public holiday? Is it a Friday night? Is it a Saturday night? Is there a fucking big event on that most people are on after that or has the thing been cancelled or did was there a fucking terrorist attack in the city or did is everyone here for a charity gig for someone that's passed away like you need to understand the con context of what's going on yeah for sure. what's the crowd like are you playing at 11 p.m are you playing at 3 a.m are you playing a fucking 7 a.m or are you the first dj you're the second dj like you need to understand the context of everything and it's the same for all parts of, of music remixing doing radio doing a warm-up set doing a headline set Playing at a festival, playing at a little bar in in Haifa, playing at you know the restaurant gig. Like you need to understand. Yeah, and that's I guess that's a, a big part of the art of being a DJ, or or maybe more if it's like a, a learnt skill. And that's what people don't understand. Yeah, you know, you need to learn to read a room as mm. well. I was having this discussion with my uncle last night. The skills that I learnt about reading people from hospitality, I've put into wow. DJing yeah. because when you're working in hospitality as a waiter you need to go okay I'm going to be me and I'm going to give my service but I gave him the example of like I had a section of the tables you know I had tables like 7 to 12 or whatever and there was this group of people that came in there was three of them they were dressed in black and they looked very upset and I had half a brain in my head and I'm like okay they've probably been to a funeral or a wake so I'm not going to go over there and do the normal Jamie show. I'm going to yeah. go over there and I'm going to give them the service in a neat little box and they're going to do their thing and they're obviously going through a thing and I'm going to be respectful of that. The table next to them were these three women that always used to come in and have like big Friday boozy lunches and I'd talk with them and, you know, kind of whatever, whatever. Like you need to know your place. So learning to read people, people who are DJing, in my opinion, also need to look up to the crowd and going, what's the vibe here? Yeah. You know, when I play at Revs, I get there always earlier. Speak to the DJ before me. How's the crowd been? What's the like been? I go speak to Phil Ransom. Hey, man, what's the vibe tonight? Oh, it's been good. Speak to the bouncer. Speak to the manager. Oh, you know, I've, everyone's a bit X tonight or everyone's a bit Y tonight. Or You need to be involved. Everyone thinks we just get up there and play music. It's like, it's the same thing as boxing. 
people just think it's just two guys or two women in a ring just punching each other. Man, there's so much more to it than that. <sighs> what a fucking answer. Boxing. <laughs> we just went to boxing. Yeah, boxing. No, but that's so true, everything you say then. Um, I was going to ask something. Fuck, what was it? Take your time. You don't know. Um, it was a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yes, you were talking about supporting, being a supporting DJ. Yeah. Which you did a little bit uh, earlier in your career. I su- I su- yeah, you I bit still l- do it now, yeah. I su- well, I, I saw on uh, on your... Uh, I saw an article online that said you played before uh, De La Soul and... Uh, and then there was another one before yeah. Method Man and Red Man. Played before Method and Red Man. Played before Jazz. I think I played before Doom or something. Or and and the, <laughs> the scariest support I had. <laughs> I think I know what it's going to be. What do you think it is? Is it De Antwood? No, that <laughs> that was crazy though. Because I I I asked for that gig and then I didn't get it and then I got it. Uh. and I was like, oh shit. But do you, like I supported Azealia Banks as well. Oh, I know. Yeah, what kind of music is Azealia Banks? She does like uh, trappy, rappy, dancey stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, she did that yeah. two on two. That was a big song. It was yeah. me and Nina Las Vegas on the uh, bill. Wow. So, what are you playing when? I mean, obviously with De La, La Soul, and that was a bit yeah, earlier just in your doing career, right? Stuff, yeah, like, yeah, which is like totally up your yeah, up your alley, yeah. like music that you're a huge passion of. But yeah. um, yeah, with like Antwood, I was I was quite surprised to see you on that one. Man, I, su- I supported Odd Future the first time they came out. I was a Prince as well. Um, Antwood was just like, I was just playing the weirdest shit that I had. The <laughs> beatsy fucking hip hoppy, you know, LA beats kind yeah. of stuff. And that was, yeah, that was a weird set. But the, the hardest support I had was, I played at this music festival uh, called Hot Barbecue. And I was playing in between acts on the main stage. Excuse me. And um, the biggest spot was before Grandmaster Flash. And I was like super nervous. I was like, fuck, it's Grandmaster Flash. You, you were playing just before Grandmaster? Just before. Holy shit. Yeah, That's insane, I was like, man. So I was like shitting myself. I was super hungover. <laughs> there's, a, there's a funny video of Ed interviewing I've seen it. me. <laughs> I got to get that shit off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I said you're like I've seen that shit <laughs> so I'm playing I did my research yeah, I'm playing <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing before Grandmaster Flash and yeah. this huge fucking dude walks over to me obviously he's manager he's tour manager I'm like oh hey mate he's like yo what up I'm like oh hey man I'm, I'm Jamie nice to meet you he's like oh, I'm John whatever I'm like cool he's like he hands me these three A4 pieces of paper that are printed out Excel spreadsheet Grandmaster Flash Do Not Playlist. Really? He hands it in the middle of my set. Now, I'm already in the middle. fucking pishing myself nervous. He hands me these like, yo, this is Flash shit. Don't play this shit before he plays the shit. I'm like, what am I going to do? Tell the guy no. I'm like, okay, no problem. Were there tracks in there you were... Uh, I mean, brought? there was... Yeah, there was a couple. So, like, now I'm, like, scrolling through my Serato trying to, like, fucking play every, like, B-side of the song that I was going to play and, like... The funny thing was is I made Grandmaster Flash sign it oh, really? afterwards and got laminated. <laughs> he's actually a dick, by the way. Oh, re- oh, don't say that. No, I'm sorry. He is. <laughs> like, I appreciate everything he's done for the culture and what he has done for hip-hop culture and music culture. You can't deny, but yeah. that guy's a dick. Wow. What, uh, he's mean. Experience? He he's mean. He doesn't care. He's dismissive. Like, I've met him through people that yeah. are, are way above me in, in the hip-hop world and like 
he didn't give them any fucking time of day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not that good of a DJ anymore. He's like past the grassroots level of like. It. I mean, I don't want to shit talk him because like he has done so much for the yeah. culture, but like. But he he played it. Um, my fr- I actually didn't see it, but my friend saw him play it uh, like Falls a couple of years ago, and yeah, and he said he was yeah like with a laptop, just like wasn't really. Yeah, that's concerned. fine, but like he barely. Anyway, look. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Grandmaster Flash. Like I appreciate everything he's done, but like, fuck that guy. Yeah, um, I was. Uh, oh yeah, this is so this is an interesting one. I wanted to talk to you about. I yeah. saw again in, in your Twitter um, feed. I saw. <laughs> How far back did you go, man? It's a, it's a dark place sometimes. <laughs> but I saw um, you post a book called Art and Fear by yes. what is it, David? Uh, David Bales. Yes. Yeah, which I've just ordered to read because man, um, it's so good. My friend Tom Blashford bought it for me like yeah. a while ago, and I hadn't, I didn't read it for ages, and then I only read it recently, and it's like. It's fucking amazing, man. It's it's written, it's a book, obviously, but it reads like a conversation. Yeah, right. It's still got chapters and shit like that. And the first 10 pages, I was like, oh my God, me too. Oh, fuck, I think like that as well. Like, oh, oh yes, someone else thinks about this shit. And it's just like really reassuring. It did, yeah. You're like, oh, no shit. Other people think about quitting like all the fucking time. And other people experience this kind of creative difficulty yeah, or whatever. Right. And then the rest of it's just like, just breaks things down. It's fucking... It's, I really cannot recommend that book enough. I'm, and it's not a big read either. I'm going to read it. I'm definitely going to read really it. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I guess I wanted to... Fo- I mean, I haven't read it, so I can't I can't talk to you about it too much. But I guess I wanted to follow on from um, that que- that sort of point as... Um, what what have been some of your hardships and some real struggles at, as an oh, artist shit, yourself? I'm still, I'm still going through them. I mean, yeah. I mean, look. You know, I'm a Jewish middle-class kid from Melbourne, like there are people who have had way more struggles than I have. And I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, I've had my personal struggles like you have and everyone else in the world has, you know, generally speaking, but I didn't grow up in extreme poverty and I didn't have, you know, a lot of these negative situations that great artists has come out of disclosure. So I'm not saying woe is me. You know, I fucking grew up in the projects and I don't know who my dad is and like, you know, hardships that real artists have had to endure to, 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 you know, to come through or abuses or anything like that. But as a creative person, I still think that people go through difficult times. You know, I go through times all the time. I want to fucking quit because this isn't working or I'm not doing enough of that or I don't see myself here or I'm not making enough money or, I'm you know, I haven't been paid or I've got to follow up this or I thought I had that gig and they cancelled on me and I were working for them and they fired me without any reason. And it's it's constant, man. I mean, I've been doing this shit for a long time. I've been doing this shit for a very long time. and I'm still not used to it. How do you... Um, I have no idea how I go through it. <laughs> well, reading that book helps, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yeah, ha- I mean, how do you... Uh, I guess the biggest thing is like, when when like you know you get cancelled for a gig or some sort of yeah. failure often i find in like if i can relate to that in in a small way yeah it's like you you're like what did i do wrong oh, of course that's, that's the default thing you go to yeah what did i do wrong i mean yeah. I, I say that all the time like why why haven't i been booked for that what did i do wrong like maybe it's something political maybe it's something different but like yeah, I mean, I'm also like a fucking neurotic Jewish guy, so like, <laughs> I'm definitely thinking like, what have I done wrong? Like, this is why you like Seinfeld so much. Oh man, <laughs> we can do a whole two hours of just Seinfeld if you want. No, but it's like, if you, you you're quick to blame yourself, you know, and uh, say some, that again. Some, you're quick to blame yourself. Yeah, and true. sometimes it is your fault, and sometimes you need to be mature enough to go, oh, okay, it's because I fucked up 
doing this or I didn't do that or I did too much of this or I did enough of that. And sometimes you're like, well, fucking I have no idea what I've done wrong. Yeah. I mean, and then, then that's like the, the, the veteran of uh, an artist veteran is someone who can get through that and still like stay themselves for their whole career, I think. Yeah. Not, not, and, not and, let and, people get And don't it. get me wrong. Like I let it get to me. But yeah. it's, it's like I say to my brother, I'm just like, if something shit happened, fine, be upset about it. Which is good. You got to express. You got to express it. Yeah. Don't 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 knock it back. Don't deny that it's happened. Like yeah, if yep. you get cancelled for a gig. Like yeah, it's just fucking annoying. It yeah. is. But eventually, understand why and pull your socks up and fucking get back into it because it's like that's the job, you know. And you know, I sound hypocritical saying this because you know I wish I'd say this to myself sometimes. No, like, I mean we got to always hear our own advice. Yeah, sometimes. exactly. It's yeah. like you know. I've been crapping on and wondering why I got fired from this like residency thing I had. I'm still talking about it. And it was like five months ago. And I'm like, why did they fire me? They never told me. And like, anyway, but you've got to um, go into that or uh, not really. I was, no. I was booking or kind of uh, without naming what it is. I was booking a place and I was DJing there. I went away to Europe. They knew I was going away. I rusted on the, all the DJs. And then they just wrote me an email saying, oh, we, you know, as of the 13th of da 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 we don't need you anymore. And I was like, what? Are you firing me? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, with no explanation why or anything. Can you like, uh, did you ask? Yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote an email to the owner who I've known for 15 years plus. And I said, hey, you know, just letting you know. Obviously, you know, this has happened. Could you shed some light on it? And yeah. I just never heard back. Really? Yeah. That's really sad. It is, but... Uh, that's really sad. No response at all. That's horrible. It's the state of the union, man. Sometimes in the entertainment industry, it's like motherfuckers care about the bottom line, which is important. Mm. It's... The money. You know, it's quote unquote, it's show business. Like there is a business aspect to it. It's yeah. the entertainment industry. Like there needs to be some revenue generated from it for things to function. But some people will just cut you off, man. Some people will cut you off for reasons you don't know about. Some people will cut you off for reasons you disagree with. And mm. some people will cut you off because you fucked up. Mm. And on that note, pause, because I got to take a piss. We have double A's that work. <laughs> I talk so much, you have to change batteries. There's like 400 batteries on the floor right now. <laughs> um, like I just want to do a 10 minute, 10 minute interview with Prequel. He didn't <laughs> shut up for like three days. I haven't eaten in weeks. <laughs> No, man, I'm, I'm loving the chat. It's great. I'm learning a lot. Uh, what were we just talking about? Getting cancelled. Oh, yeah, just d- dealing with the difficulties as an yeah. artist. I mean, there's you know, there's a lot of really great stuff about this industry and there's a lot of really bad stuff, which I assume is for most industries, like good and the bad, you know? Like, you know, you get cancelled sometimes, but, you know, you can also be and meet amazing people and yeah. can find music out and, and you know, like being in situations that are fucking cool like that's a cool thing yeah we're in yeah it's a pretty amazing industry pretty fun it's pretty bipolar though (laughs) no because it's like and there's also like it's the highs and the lows yeah but then but then on the top of that it's also like people's perceptions of where you are they're like oh Oh, i just saw your instagram and you're really like it's like yeah motherfucker but i'm broke (laughs) that that tool money hasn't come through yet and that other gig was free and that other gig fucking that was my rent money yeah and you know well, that's you and know. I'm on tour, and it's like, oh, were you staying in like a crazy like the hotels? Like, no, I slept on some fucking dude's couch, <laughs> and I had an early flight in the morning. <laughs> like, not everything is what it seems. It's like, I mean, I'm not complaining. I love going on tour, but like, and I, I'm told, I think our whole generation is is that you know because you put up the best version of what you want oh, your yeah. life to look like on that's social what, media, yeah, man. And it's like, oh, they must be having a great time. It's like, uh, no, motherfucker, I'm broke. <laughs> but that's yeah, it's. 
uh, well, I was li- that, that I was going to ask about social media. Um, ask away, ask away. But um, I'm going to I'm going to do this little leg up thing. Yeah, do the leg up, oh. mate. It's comfortable. Fuck. <laughs> I really, Look at you f- no, I really feel like I'm on podcast. <laughs> hey, I went to the gym for this. I'm trying to trying to live my best life. You go to the gym? I do. Started going to the gym and boxing. Good boy. Yeah. Wow. Well, I fucking, you know, I didn't do any sport for like a hundred years. I figure. <laughs> Look at Schnitzel just looking at me like, just like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> Pat's dog's looking at me just like with half his eyes closed like, dude, shut the <laughs> hell up already. This motherfucker needs to take me for a walk. <laughs> and Jamie you're just talking and talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, talking about talking about you and social media and, uh, and, and, and Twitter and, and on two, I saw you post... Uh, the, the flight being uh, being hung over and flying should be a Olympic sport. <laughs> oh man, I'm ge- I'm getting real good at that Just in Europe as well. I was like, I got my whole thing down pat of like when to get there and like have a little plastic bag in case you need a vomit and an aisle seat <laughs> and like I've got it all like finely tuned. I mean, there are some people who are really good at it, like Cass and the CBD boys, like whew, they're like the Usain Bolt. You learn like, from them. I'm learning. I'm still learning <laughs> from them. Like those guys are legends and they party real hard and they work real hard. And I still don't understand how they've never missed a flight. Yeah. Wow. Well, so you're, yeah, I mean, they're probably like, playing till like late and then, uh, yeah, and then and they've then, got like an then, early call and you know, they're playing in Europe, the next city, you know, you got to get to the plane and the thing and the drive and the da. So yeah, but they're, yeah, they're real good. At they it. do it well. Oh, they're, they're excellent. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, social media with, um, I, we, we had a little chat, uh, well, no, we didn't really have a chat, but, um, your SoundCloud, um, you've recently turned off comments, likes and shares. Um, I don't know recently. I think I did it a few years ago. I oh, just, was it? Like, I just didn't notice. I can't, I can't <laughs> remember to be honest with you. No, but we were talking about this before, before yeah. we sat down this. I just, I don't know. I just like. With the whole plays thing, like, okay, look, I'm not getting a, a zillion million plays. Yeah. But I don't know if if I did, I'd want to flex that anyway, yeah. first of all. Second of all, with, like, comments, like, if it's me uploading something on my SoundCloud, like, I'll turn the comments off. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Have you experienced, did, did, did that come from some negative comments or it's all you've always... Oh, said? I mean, like, with other stuff, like, if I've had track premieres that other people have uploaded yeah. to SoundCloud and I, like, put it on my SoundCloud, like, there's always going to be negative comments and stuff. And it's not that I want to block out all the negativity and stuff like that no. because there are going to be people that don't like your shit and yeah. if you can't come to that fact, then... You probably shouldn't be in an inter- in an industry with, with critics, like. But it's, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. What you're and saying. everyone's it's a critic, and everyone's a critic now. Yeah, you know, even <laughs> on even on my boiler room, oh, he does too much of it. It's like, man, you know what? You do a boiler room, and then I'll see how you do it. <laughs> but you, I mean, like, because of every because every like every man and his dog can DJ on CDJs exactly. or that everyone is a and critic. everyone's a critic. But yeah. here's the thing: I only listen to people who I respect their opinion. Mm. Like, like I remember. Um, like me and Phil Ransom, okay, mm-hmm. who does um, revol- I mean, does ma- many things, but one of the things he does is a late show at Revolver. And yep. him and I have become close and, you know, I would, I would call him a friend of mine. And I remember we went for lunch a couple of years ago and he was like, hey, man, I need to talk to you about, um, you know, your set on Saturday at Revolver. I'm like, yeah, cool. Coming up or, pr- or just uh, that, gone? That had just gone past. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he went to specifics about this and that and this and that. And I was like, you know what? This is Phil Ransom. He's probably one of the best DJs in Australia. I respect him as a human and as an artist. I'm going to listen to his advice. Yeah. 
because it's Phil Ransom. What? What? Do you, can I ask what the advice was? Oh, I can't remember specific. I think it was more like, you know, don't go too hard here or this room needs to be different. The other room, or just, you know, some pointers and stuff like that. But yeah. I was like, okay, first of all, it's your night. And second of all, I respect you as, as a DJ and as a person I'm going to listen to. I don't need Joe Blow who's fucking like, you know, wants to be a producer or thinks he's a DJ or whatever, getting on my SoundCloud and being like, I didn't like that you used that kind of kick drum and like, why didn't you have a you know, little jingly bell after the third course. It's like, I don't care what you have to say. Yeah. I just don't. Like, and, and I assume you have Sorry, like, I'm, 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 I'm sure your opinion's valid, but I just, as, no. I, as I like to say, you're entitled to your, your opinion. It's wrong, but you're entitled to it. <laughs> it's like, I don't care, unless it's coming from some kind of a position of, not authority, but someone that knows what they're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I go to, if I go to, a, if I go to a driving range... And I go up to some guy and he just whacks a ball. I go, don't know, mate. Better bend your hips a little bit more. He's going to turn around and go, sorry, who the fuck are you? <laughs> oh, I'm just a guy that doesn't play golf. I just like to come to the range and tell people how to swing. He's going to go, man, shut the fuck up. Why would the, I listen to you? I'm just a guy who plays Wii Golf. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, I've got Wii Golf. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Why would I listen to you? But if fucking... You know, Greg Norman goes down to the range and says, hey, mate, try bending your knees. And the guy turns around and sees us the shark. He'll probably go, all right, all right, all right, Normie, I'll try bending my... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I don't need people coming yeah. to my golf range that don't yeah. play golf. And everyone thinks they're, isn't, they're an expert everyone of electronic thinks, music. Of, everyone yeah. thinks they're an expert. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are. Yeah, no, yeah. But there's also a difference between being an expert at home yeah. And being an expert performing out in the club. And there's also a difference. I mean, even if you are an expert, like what 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 leads people to feel like that it's okay for them to fucking comment negatively on something? Do you know what does? Uh, jealousy. Jealousy <laughs> and leaving the comments on. If you turn the <laughs> comments off, they don't even have an opportunity. That's great. Guess what? If I upload a song and you don't like it, just don't listen to that shit again. Yeah. You don't need to tell me. It's like when people tell people they're about to unfollow them on Twitter. <laughs> it's like, dude, just unfollow them. It's like, well, it's oh like, my God, I'm going to block you on Instagram. Just, just do it. How about just that? fucking block me on Instagram now. What the fuck are you waiting for? How about that app that you used to be able to get to like see the people that have unfollowed you on? You can on, still get on, that shit. Is that oh, st- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was like 17 and people were talking about it. I was like, why the fuck do you have that app? Probably for reasons of insecurity, jealousy. I mean, there's like a number of, sh- of, of things, yeah. you know. But, but that's why I like that whole, we were talking about like cancelling your numbers. Like I know Kanye was talking about that recently. Like I'd love to have Instagram and you couldn't see how many followers I have. Yeah, I mean, it oh, takes away the oh whole, God. you're it's doing it just because you're doing because you like to do it for no other reason. There you go. Yeah, which is, which I mean, and I, I, get I can it. see that's who you are, and which I is really And I get it, impressive. and some people make money off posting shit on Instagram, and I'm not knocking anyone's hustle. If no. I was getting 5K for posting some fucking whatever on Instagram, I might do it as well, but yeah. my, my social media numbers aren't crazy, you know what I mean? They're not terrible, but they're not like, you know, a tr- million fucking plays and like a billion Spotify streams and like a yeah, million yeah, yeah. followers on SoundCloud. It's like... It's like, well, they are what they are. And that's a really hard thing for people to do. Yeah. My age and younger and older because it's like... And the scary thing is... It, people book you on how many fucking Instagram followers you have, man. Yeah, yeah. I but once got cancelled from a big corporate gig because I didn't have enough Instagram followers <laughs> and I called them out on Twitter and shit hit the fan. Really? How did you know they, they cancelled you? Because they said to you, sorry, the, you don't the, have enough? The person that was being the middleman and booking me for this big corporate event like this huge corporate What's it, when event when you say big corporate event what does that mean like the f1 formula uh, one race yeah, yeah yeah anyway this guy i know 
who's a really good dude. He booked me for it. Anyway, he kept changing the dates a couple of times. I'm like, yeah, man, no worries. All good, all good. He called me up. He's like, listen. I'm like, man, if we need to change the date again, like, it's it's not a big deal. It's fine. He's like, no, like, like you know, they, you know, Formula One people spoke to me and, you know, they, they don't want to book you. I'm like, what? Why? I'm like, oh, you don't have enough followers on Instagram. Fuck. Now, A, that's a reality of our business at the moment. <laughs> B, it's kind of stupid because... No one's going to the Formula One for the DJs. Like, no. let's be honest. Like, it's an added part of what they are. Yeah. Um, um, having available. Yeah. At that thing, so I was like, really, really, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. And so I wrote a little thing on Twitter, <laughs> and I at Formula One Australia. Really. And did it get seen? The guy called me back. He's really, like, dude. I'm like, yo, man, what's up? He's like, man, I just got a call from the whole fucking <laughs> marketing team at Formula One, and they're going fucking crazy. And he's like, please, <laughs> can you take this down? I'm like, look, I'll take it down because you are because of me him. Too. But I guess because but he's but, like, but but fuck you, like yeah. Sorry, like well, no, I mean not fuck him, but like no, fuck no, fuck for, f- fuck Formula One. Yeah. It's like you know yeah. what? Even if I even if I'm some super big DJ. Who's really coming to see me DJ Formula <laughs> One? The the people that are already at Formula One are coming to see me DJ Formula One. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and look, I get it. It's the times we live in, but I think sometimes, some, not all the time, and I'm talking to myself, Jamie, not all the time, <laughs> but sometimes you got to be like, nah, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. I respect that. You just got to pick the time. And sometimes I pick the wrong time. Yeah. but so And I'll I, never play at Formula One again. <laughs> <laughs> In regards to the, you know, back to the comments, um, I assume you have experienced something of that, of like that caliber, someone talking shit about you. Nothing too negative. I mean, most of the people just be like, oh, this sucks or whatever. But like, I mean, I know people like, and unfortunately most of them are female that like, Man, they get some fucking horrendous things said. I'm like, sure. it's one thing to be like, you know, this motherfucker can't mix or this song shit. Fine, that's subjective at the end of the day. Yeah. But like, I mean, people have posted some disgusting fucking comments. Yeah, totally uncalled for. Again, not just like you can't mix or I don't like this song, which is okay, I guess justified. <laughs> but some of the shit they've posted, I'm like, oh my god, like that's really fucking like. Yeah. And I'm not some, like, PC Brigade kind of guy, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, really? Yeah. Like, who goes out of their way to jump on YouTube to type, like, I'm not going to even repeat some of the shit, like, just, just disgusting shit. I'm I like, can only imagine. Whoa. You know, I've had a lot of my friends who are female and who are DJs being like, you know, oh, uh, you know, they'll send me, like, a screen cap. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah. You people need to get out of your fucking basements as well, man. Sitting there just being the keyboard warriors. The keyboard warriors. Yeah, it's not even warrior. You're not even fighting a war. <laughs> At least a warrior is like fighting for hopefully some noble, you know, thing of like, you know, going into Mordor with the ring. Like these people are just like, ah, oh, you're a fucking deadly man. I'm gonna fucking in and It's just like, what is what? That doesn't help. Yeah, you know, it's sad. and people it's read sad. the comments. Yeah, the artist reads the comments, and, but if you turn the comments off. It's like those, it's like, the, you know, those classic videos that are on YouTube where like the artist reads the comments that people have yeah, said about them. Those amazing. are fucking great. They're it's amazing. like taking ownership of they're like amazing. that. Yeah. But you know, that shit gets to people as well, man. I, it does. It does. I know. And it's really sad that people think that it's okay to write stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. But then it's like you turn all the comments off. Like Boiler Room shut their comment section off. Really? Yeah. Uh, what on all YouTube videos? I believe so. Wow. 
I don't, I don't know if it's on Facebook Live. I think you can still comment on Facebook Live. I'm not 100% sure, okay. but I know that it, on a few of their platforms, they shut oh, it down. because you can comment live on, on, on YouTube these days, can't I, you? I think so, yeah. But Boiler Room maybe shut it I off. I think they shut it off. That's so cool. I respect that decision. Because people shit. say some fucked up shit. Especially when it's live. Exactly. <laughs> but then at the same time, it's like freedom of speech. You get into that yeah. whole kind of territory. And I don't know the answer to that. No. But that's a territory you get into with it. Yeah. And it's like, should people, excuse me, should people not be allowed to say what they want to say? Like, yeah, maybe. Does that mean that there's no consequences? Like, because that's the other thing. Because mm. if you put a YouTube video up and I write like, you're a fucking piece of shit and I'm going to kill you because I fucking hate your music. Like, should I, allow be, should I be allowed to say that? Maybe. Should there be consequences for that though? Probably. Yeah. Because... The consequences Because are if often, you said that to me in the street, the consequences are fucking kick your yeah, ass. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can sit behind... Yeah. You sit behind a little keyboard and be like, you're a fucking piece of shit. And, obviously, and, and usually it's a no one doing that. So it's like yes. their consequences aren't going to be they lose their job or they're not going to be no, like... They because don't it's, get cause it's John Smith or, 003 YouTube <laughs> account. No one knows the fuck that is. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then you know what we do? Artists, we spend all this time worrying about all this shit. Worrying about comments and mm. worrying about negative thing, worrying about it. instead of worrying about what should we be worrying about, which is let's make some fucking music and let's DJ and let's have a good time and let's try and fucking yeah. make everyone dance together. Yeah. Instead of worrying about oh, if I put this you know YouTube video up of me, like someone's gonna call me like a horrendous name and say they're gonna kill my whole fucking family. Like I don't need to be thinking about that shit, dog. Yeah. I need to be working about like yes. the art. Yes. That's um. It's really impressive you do that though. That you've made that decision and well, you know. You're I mean, focusing on the point, like you do. But some people will look at that as a coward's way out. Like, oh, you just don't want—you don't want to deal with criticism. You just want to turn off criticism to the world. Fuck that. <laughs> well, you know, I—I I, I can understand it from that—that that side. But it's like, look, it's the same thing as getting but a it bad de- review. It de- Well, no, it's not the same thing as getting a bad. Well, review. it can be. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people who are music journalists, quote unquote. It's <laughs> like, yeah, like for example, I'll tell you this story. I don't know if we'll leave this in the interview, but I'll tell you this story. <laughs> so my EP on um, on rhythm section, my second one, Freedom Jazz Dance, got a review on Resonant Advisor. Yep. And I can't remember the score I got. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't amazing. But the review, whether I agreed with the review or not is one thing, but they there's four songs on the EP and yeah. they didn't talk about the first song at all. Like they didn't mention about it. About Saints, right? Yeah. Like they didn't even say it was bad or they didn't like it. They just didn't talk about it. And for me, it's like, if you're going to be a critique, do your fucking job properly. Yeah. You're not a movie critique and you just watch the trailer or you see half the film. Yeah. It's like, no, like it's only four songs, man. It's not a triple Wu-Tang <laughs> album. It's just like, <laughs> there's four songs. Listen to them. Critique them. Write about it in an elegant way on what yeah. you thought and I'll respect that you've put your brain and energy into it I may not agree with what you had to say but at least I'll go oh that's an informed at least you've decision done your homework. yeah don't review a fucking four track EP with three and just review three songs like to me that's that's lazy mm. yeah that's sad people need to do their jobs properly as well Saints is an amazing track may I say I thought it was pretty good <laughs> obviously they didn't know that I like when you play it live too yeah, it's when when Dom comes and does it. Kazuozo, his 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 voice is crazy, man. He's he, him as a person is he's a fucking fantastic fucking guy. sick at the Stadium Boiler Room, dude. Is that is that is that uh, Kazo doing that one? Yeah, yeah. Kazuozo doing it. Yeah. With his uh, with the scroll, with the big scroll. Fuck, yeah, man, that's cool. How, the, who came up with that idea? He came up with the scroll idea. Yeah, but I wanted him to do 
that at my boiler room because I really wanted to start my set with that live. And yeah. like, he actually had another show that night. Oh, really? So he had to come from the other show and do that song and then leave. Really? And he's like, yo, man, I'm like in the middle of saying I'm going to, you're going to have to chop me out a little bit of cash. I was like, all right, cool. I'm happy to do so. Because he was, you know, he was taking time out of his fucking thing to come through and, and make some noise. And we didn't get paid for that boiler room. Really? Nah. Boiler room? Boiler room doesn't pay you unless it's um, like a corporate sponsorship like if it's Ray-Bans and Boiler Room or, or Smirnoff or, or Smirnoff yeah. added out or you know some big corporate sponsorship or if it's then what if it's you. connected to a festival uh, if it's connected to a festival I believe you get paid fuck they must uh, make good cash money if they don't have to pay people yeah fuck probably <laughs> Bradley Zero used to work for Boiler Room he right? did yeah, yeah yeah Brad used to work for Boiler Room um oh what it you know what I feel like we've We've pretty much come to the end of, of what I was going to speak to you about. I was going to speak to you about some some personal stuff. Yeah, go for it. Um, I'll decide whether it gets left <laughs> in or not. But, um, I mean, you. my mum passed away when I was 17 from cancer. Yes. Um, how old were you when your mum passed I away? Was, uh, I was 18. Okay. It was July of 06 and I turned 19 September. So, I was like just before my 19th birthday, so to speak. So, you just finished your 12? Uh, it was the year after I finished yeah. school, yeah. And did she, was it was it breast cancer? It was complications from breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I knew for those of you listening at home, I I knew Pat's mom very well as well. Yeah. Because you used to come in with her and have our chocolates after mass on a Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> after mass on a Sunday. That's right. Um, what was my question though? I guess uh, yeah. That I mean, how is that? Um, I mean, obviously we could go on and on and on how that's affected you. Sure. I mean, I could go on and on how that's affected of course, you. But yeah. I guess how is that? Um, that pain and grief. Because I find my pain and grief feeds into... I mean, I'm interested in film. I find it feeds yeah. into how I make films, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I write about. How do you think that's fed into your I've music? I've never seen any of your film shit. Why haven't we talked film? I'm like a film nerd Are guy you? as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll do another seven-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> one with you and me doing Seinfeld and one with you and me doing film. <laughs> What's your favorite film? Tell me quickly. Oh, man. I've got so many. Anyway, sorry. Let's let's not to, not detract from no, the, no, from what, the question. What, how do you think um, that sort of pain and grief has fed into your music and, and your life? Um, yeah. Musically speaking, there are songs I've produced that are I have my mother in mind, or there's a couple of there's a song that Sasha, my youngest brother, soliloquy did on his first album, and I produced that after my mum had passed away, and then he wrote about our mum passing away on that song. Yeah. There was um you know, obviously, I mean, you know, like you're constantly thinking about them and there's not like a, a day that goes by where at some point they don't pop in your head or, you know, there are certain decisions I make or, or decisions I don't make and I go, oh, what would my mom say about mm. that? Or, um, you know, Polite Strangers, I dedicated to my mom. Mm. Um, so I think that the spirit of that and also, you know, making music while you're grieving or heartbroken or, you know, I guess you you one could argue that the best art is made out of suffering, quote unquote. Um, I'm sure you could argue the opposite of that, but I think you could probably argue a pretty strong argument that the best art comes from some, some kind of suffering, whether it's a drug addiction or an alcoholic or abuse or growing up in a really difficult scenario or, you know, getting beaten or whatever it is. Um it does seem to be that way. Yeah, I think it just puts you in touch with your feelings, or mm. it did with me a little bit, and um, you you know you think about that person a lot. Like you you know it it affects you like everything in life affects you. So 
you know, the music I made directly after my mom's death, so a lot of that stuff will just wasn't released, wasn't that good. But also making music and being involved in that music at that time was also a cathartic sort of thing. Um, yeah. You know, it's like I've got an uh, EP coming out in late November and that's that music's actually all like, quote unquote, like old, like three and a half years old. But that was like, this is like my breakup sad boy house ep you know and i was i was dating this girl and so we i mean we broke up a hundred times but this Detroit was my, swindle the makeup the, the breakup yeah exactly <laughs> seriously but you know this is kind of like my my breakup ep yeah but i don't know if i had i've had like a direct musical influence from my mother's passing i think it's been more in a general sense shaping me as a person and then how i've gone forward with that and obviously you know like i said i dedicated polite strangers to her and and you know like there's ways that i um you know uh continue her her legacy her memory and you know think about her and things like that but i guess it's just all part of you know like the human experience and falling in love and getting your heart broken and you know, getting cheated on or cheating on someone or fucking getting in a fight or starting a fight or, um, you know, losing your mom, not losing your mom, losing your brother. I mean, I know someone who just like lost their sister last night. Like that shit's fucking crazy. Like shit happens. You know, I've got someone whose mother's in a difficult medical condition at the moment. Like all these kind of things shape you in terms of who you are and you can go down a really bad road about it. You can go down a better road about it and you can go through therapy about it and but it just shapes you as a person. And I think if you're making honest art, if you're really making honest art, then that will seep through into it. If you're just making shit to make shit, which is fine as well, not my preferred way of making art. I rather make really honest art where it's like, I need to have the same feeling now as I had when I made a, a song, you know, a while ago or whatever yesterday or whatever it is and if i don't i will never release that shit like you know there's heaps of people that's like oh when i die like release all my music fuck that yo <laughs> when i die don't release any of that shit unless i tell you to some of that shit is a learning exercise some of that shit is fucking terrible i listened to some beats i made um like recently and i'm like no one released that shit that shit was a learning exercise like i don't want to fucking know about it <laughs> But yeah, it shapes you as a person. If you, if, my answer to you is, it shapes you as a person if you're making honest art, or yep. honest music in this case. And it's and it's and it's likely to be in direct relation to a lot of the things you've dealt with. Over yeah, your life. absolutely. Because yeah. like you can't really, I mean, I would say to you, you probably can't make a song about grief if you haven't been in a situation of grief. No, probably not. You know what I mean? I mean, there you could relate to it. You could see other people grieving. You could see. Maybe someone you know lost their mom or maybe, you know, whatever. But if you don't really experience that yourself, I don't think you can fully relate to it. Mm. Like, and I know in film that can be different as well because you might have someone making a gangster movie that's never been in the mob. And they'll probably turn out to be cheesy uh, blockbuster. Maybe, you know. That aren't real to what's... Or they'll turn out to be like the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Coppola's not in the mafia. No, but I'm sure he would have done a lot of research. Of course. Yeah, that's what I'm... Of course. So, you know, I think there's there's a line of like how real something can be if you haven't experienced it. Like I can perhaps sympathize with someone who's been, uh, you know, who's a survivor of abuse, for example, male or female. 
but I can't fully experience that because I haven't experienced that myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but mu- I think uh, what's amazing about music, if we're like, you know, we're just talking about film and music, music can be is like it, it's a, almost like a direct um, window into like, without sounding cheesy, it's like a direct window into your your soul yeah. and what you're thinking when you well when it you, should be yeah yeah if if it's if it's true yeah it yeah should which be. is which is i don't think there's many well i mean i guess writing writing film certainly isn't because there's so well it can be but there's so many things involved for a film but but music is like very raw yeah it is and i mean look not all music is and again going no. back to what i said the style like it it has its place like you know like uh you know sometimes i listen to hip-hop and they're not talking about fucking changing the world and shit they're just talking about getting turned up in the club and that's fine because sometimes I like to go to the club and get fucking turned up and fucking drink and l- l- yell fucking <laughs> Travis Scott lyrics that's fine that's okay yeah. that doesn't make you a bad person no you know there's there's music for every scenario sometimes I want to sit in sometimes I sit in my car and, and fucking drive and listen to jazz I just want to listen to jazz I don't want to hear any lyrics sometimes I listen to Earl Sweatshirt mm. sometimes I go to a hip hop club with my friends and fucking listen to Travis Scott and get turned up and fucking scream hip-hop lyrics. Sometimes I go to the ballet. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I fucking go to a strip club. Sometimes I go to the movies and watch a documentary about the Holocaust. Sometimes I go and have lunch with my auntie and sometimes I go and fucking, you know, sleep with a girl. Like, it, 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 there's different things for different scenarios. It can't all be the same. I'm not going to listen to house music in all those scenarios. Yeah. It doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to hip hop in all those scenarios. So it's like, you know, when you make art, it's okay if it's not for every scenario. Like, yeah. some of my sh- you know, sometimes people listen to my shit, they're like, oh, but can I play this on a dance floor? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> I didn't like, you know, yeah, okay, house music's generally dance floor music, quote unquote. Mm. And technically anything's dance floor music if you're good enough. If, you, if you've if got good dancers and you're a good DJ. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't mind. If someone listens to my record at home and enjoys it, great. If someone dances to it on the dance floor, that's great. Because there's another thing about making art, which is like, once you release it, it's like, it takes on a life of its own. Maybe it's in. Maybe it's interpreted. You let that baby go. Maybe it's interpreted as a completely fucking different thing of what you intended it to be. You know, like that film, The Artist. You know that guy made that film. That, <laughs> yeah. What's his face about um, uh, the? Yep. You know, <laughs> High Mark. That film, whatever the fuck it's called, The what's Room. It? Right. The yeah, room? that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he made that as like a really serious piece. Of film, really? he thought it was like a really fucking serious thing. Oh uh, yeah, the, and the original, the original, yeah. 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 yeah and yeah, then yeah. everyone thought yeah. it was a comedy, and he's like, "Oh, it's a comedy." Like, he's do you know what I mean? Like, probably an, a, an extreme example, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, once you release it, like, yeah, it be, yeah, it becomes it takes on a life it, of its own. You don't have full ownership over it anymore. Yeah, and that can be a really scary thing. True. Yeah, because some people are like, oh, like I can't remember one of my songs got premiered and like the hashtag on um. On uh, on SoundCloud was like balearic. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, is this balearic? Like, I didn't, I didn't think about b- any balearic shit when I made this. I didn't think it was balearic. No one told me it was balearic. Maybe it's not, but like, like that's out of my control, though. Yeah. Because yeah. if I make a song and you think it's balearic, like you may be wrong, but I can't stop you from thinking that. Like, yeah, true. Um, I read somewhere that that uh, being a DJ can be like a, a collector of musical history. Yeah. What do you think? I, I feel like out of many DJs I know around Melbourne and and internationally, you could relate to that a lot, like a lot, like mostly. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I know DJs with fucking stupid collections of music. No, like no you're not crazy. Yeah. Like, like that would make mine look like fucking nothing. You know, I know people who know way more about music than I do. Like, yeah, you know, like my friend Alex D, Boogie Monster in Sydney, or like someone like Miss Goldie or mm. Vince Peach, or like yeah. their knowledge of like soul and funk and modern soul all that shit is like it's next fucking level man and that's what makes they know the producers the studios the year the equipment the thing they know it so well yeah and i know a bit about music but like those guys and girls know heaps about it yeah so i think a dj being like a musical historian like yeah, maybe. Or I think that maybe you're contributing a page or two to the book. I don't think maybe you have to write the whole book. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's good to get into different things and learn about different music and stuff like that. But I know some people who just collect hip-hop records. And that's okay. They don't. I don't think you have to be like a historian. I think you should know about what you got, though. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, there's that classic hip-hop saying of... You gotta know where it's been to know where it's where it's going, kind of thing, um, and I think that's important. You know, I don't think you can just jump into something and like not know at least a little bit about the history. Like films, the same thing. Yeah, definitely. you, you kind of got to know the rules before you break them. You can't be like, "Oh, look what I'm doing," and someone will be like, oh, "Fellini did that like 60 years ago." <laughs> like, who's Fellini? Like, oh, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. you should be able to make a film if you don't know who fucking Fellini is. So I agree. You like, you know. Yeah. You can't be breaking all these rules. Like, I can't be going, hey, man, look at my cool new fresh sound. Like, it's so original. Someone come up to me like, yo, man, go Google Moody, man, and then <laughs> fucking come back to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have to know a little yeah. bit about it, but yep. I don't know whether you have to be a encyclopedia of the entire history of music, but yeah, you should know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Um, on that note... I think we should wrap things up. I, w- I was going to ask one last little question. Yeah, what, what kind of releases have we got planned or what, so what are we going to see? I've got an EP coming out on Distant Hawaii, which is oh, wow. uh, the sub-label of Lobster Theremin. Exciting. Yep. That's coming out at the end of November. Is this the make the breakup one? This is the breakup EP. <laughs> the, I changed the title of it. It was called something else before and my brother Sasha was like, dude, that title's fucking whack. I'm like, what? I've had this <laughs> title for fucking ages and I had a whole backstory. What was the title? How I got it. Um Oh, it was called Shape Without Form. Okay. And it was from a T.S. Eliot poem oh, yeah. that Brando reads in Apocalypse Now. Oh. And I was watching Apocalypse Now for like the millionth time and that sort of phrase stuck out at me and I wrote it down. I've always wanted this EP to call Shape Without Form. And I was kind of submitting it to the label and Sasha's, my brother was like, dude, that fucking, that title's shit. I'm like, what? I've had it for ages. He's like, no, nah, man, it sounds like a fucking shit Bliss and Esso record or something. I'm like, <laughs> Fuck is right. <laughs> Damn it. So I changed it. I changed I changed the title. Um and yeah, that's coming out at the end of November. I'm working on a remix at the moment, which I hope gets okayed. We're taking that step by step. Yep. And then there's an artist in the UK that hopefully I'm gonna get to remix her soon. Amazing. Uh and then I'm just trying to put do out. Do you get con- for, with the remixes? I was interested. Yeah. Do you get contacted by by them often? And uh, say sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Most of the s- remixes I've done, I've contacted the artist. Yeah. Um, You've the, connected to the song. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I know the artist, or I know their like manager or whatever. Or and I'm like, hey, this is dope. Like, I'd love to remix it. Like, like Sampa. Like Sampa, Sampa, great. Yeah. So I heard that song. I'm like, this is fucking great. Sampa was being managed at the, at that time by this guy called Sai, and I know Sai, and I hit him up. I'm like, yo, man, this is really dope. Like, I'd love to do a remix. 
tell me what you think about it. Tell me what Sampa thinks about it. She was like, yeah, I'm down. Here are the stems. Got a little premiere on Vice or ID or whatever it was. And that was that. But like then for the Sofa Talk remix I just did. Um, so it came out, it's coming out on this record label called Omina, which is a sub-label from this guy, Tooley. And Tooley's one half of Local Talk. Okay. So he sent me an email <laughs> like, hey, Sofa Talk's putting this EP out on my record label Omina. And he really wants you to do a remix. I was like, oh, cool. That's really nice to be asked. So yeah. Before saying yes, I always have to hear the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if it's a great song, I might still say no because it might be, I can't add to it. I can't do anything with it. I can't. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing. F- I don't feel I can add anything to it, or I don't feel like I can put my own mark to it. So I got to sit with the song for a little bit, and if you know, I generally know pretty fast. But anyway, and I was like, yeah, man, sounds dope. Like you know, we worked out the business end of it, and sent me the stems and as soon as i get a remix even if i do it myself i'll fucking freak out (laughs) as soon as i get the stems i'm like oh fuck what have i got myself into (laughs) it's a bit better because generally you're working towards a deadline so you're like i gotta finish this shit by the sixth yeah Yeah. like they need they need this for it to go to press yeah yeah yeah. which is kind of like a healthy amount of pressure yeah but if i'm just doing it myself it's like i've been working on this remix recently and like heard this song I can't say who it is yet because I don't know if it'll come out or not. But I heard yeah. this song and I'm like, I knew this person's, this woman's uh, manager. I knew the person that produced it. I'm like, this is fucking beautiful. I had it on repeat for like five days. I saw her manager when I was in Brisbane and I was like, oh man, that fucking song is fucking amazing. Like, oh my God, I just had it on loop. Anyway, I listened to it some more when I got back home and then I, I emailed her. I'm like, this is great. Like, I'd love to do a remix. Like, let me know if you, the producer and the vocalist into that idea if one of you isn't that's fine i will not go ahead unless all three of you are okay with the idea they're like yeah we're into the idea so they sent me the stems as soon as i got the stems put in my computer i'm like fuck i'm in over my head now like fuck what if i what if i fuck it up and this and that and i was talking to the producer online i'm like yo man I'm like, I'm like i don't want to fuck your shit up. Like, i really want to remix it and he's like he's like man come on he's like don't fuck it up i'm like fuck don't tell me that like so again it's that we were talking about before that self-doubt straight yeah. away like, even before i've started i'm like oh yeah. fuck what have i got myself into and that's one of that one of those things that that um, in the art vs fear book yep even just seeing that on paper that other people doubt themselves when coming up with a task like that. It's like, oh, sweet. Yeah, it's not, it's ju- not just me. I'm not just Half of up. that book is just going, oh, cool, it's not just me. Yeah. Oh, it's such a fucking relief. And seeing it written in words. Yeah, and yeah. in a published book and not on someone's like WordPress blog of like, yeah. my struggle as an artist. Like, it's a little <laughs> bit more official than that. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the, the remix thing's fine. It's just challenging as well, man. And it's like you put your twist on someone else's thing and you got to... Yeah, I've, I like all the remixes I've done, actually. I really like them. They, I do, too. Yeah, thanks, man. They're cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look into your Spotify, mate. Yeah, fuck, I'm going to have to <laughs> call my lawyer. Um, thank you. Pleasure, man. Thanks thank for having you. me. It's been, it's been wonderful. I've really had a great time. Thanks and, for and letting I wish me you... fucking talk heaps. No, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit it down to 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like all that, you just get a couple of sound bites, just a couple of like, just get the most controversial shit I've said and put that all together and just fucking ruin my career. The one interview that fucking just bombs me. Um, no, seriously, it's been it's been absolute pleasure. I've loved loved talking to you. Pleasure, and, man. Um, I wish you all the best with your with your release with Dis in Hawaii. And Thank any, you. Any more future releases? And um, you're you're an amazing musician and person. Thank you very much. And um, 
please keep being an artist. I'll try. <laughs> try my best. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a nice evening, listeners. Um, and you can listen to prequel stuff on Spotify. Yeah. Although that's the imposter guy. I <laughs> know. Just go to prequel.com.au and all my like social media bullshit's on there. And you can send me around on Twitter and post weird memes on Instagram. And, <laughs> and look out for the distant Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Record. Look out for my actual art. <laughs> <laughs> Not just memes. That's coming out at the end of November on Distant Hawaii. Yeah. And it's n- it's not called Shape Without Form. <laughs> and that'll definitely be in plenty of record stores around Melbourne. Uh, yes. Very I likely. I would very much like to think so. Yes. All right. Brilliant. Thank you, man. Peace. Ciao.